0: Book the Seventh Chapter Three of Charlotte's Inheritance. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Charlotte's Inheritance by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Three. Mrs. Woolper is anxious since the beginning of her illness charlotte halliday had been the object and subject of many anxious thoughts in the minds of several people that her stepfather had his anxieties about her anxieties which he tried to hide was obvious to the one person in the bayswater villa who noted his looks and tried to read the thoughts they indicated mrs sheldon's alarm once fairly awakened was not to be lulled to rest and in valentine hawkehurst's heart there was an aching pain a dull dead load of care which had never been lightened from the hour when he first perceived the change in his dear one's face there was one other person an inhabitant of the bayswater villa who watched charlotte halliday at this time with a care as unresting as the care of mother or stepfather bosom friend or plighted lover this person was Anne woolper mrs woolper had come to the villa prepared to find in miss halliday a frivolous self-satisfied young person between whom and an old broken-down woman like herself there could be no sympathy she had expected to be contemptuously or at the best indifferently entreated by the prosperous well-placed young lady whom mr sheldon had spoken of as a good girl as girls go a vague species of commendation, which to the mind of Mrs. Woolper promised very little. As clearly as Philip Sheldon dared express his wishes with regard to Charlotte Halliday, he had expressed them to Anne Woolper. What he would fain have said was, "Watch my stepdaughter and keep me well acquainted with every step she takes." This much he dared not say, but by insinuating that Tom Halliday's daughter was frivolous and reckless, and that her lover was not to be trusted, he had contrived to put Mrs. Woolper on the qui viva. Mr. Phillips afraid she may go and marry this young man on the sly before he's got the means to support a wife, she said to herself, as she meditated upon the meaning of her master's injunctions, and well he may be there's no knowing what young women are up to nowadays and the more innocent and inexperienced a young woman is the more she wants looking after and miss georgie craddock always was a poor fondy up to naught but dressing herself fine and streaming up and down barlingford high street with her old schoolfellows such as she ain't fit to be trusted with a daughter and mr philip knows that he always was a deep one but i'm glad he looks after missy there's many men having got fast hold of the father's brass would let the daughter marry old scratch for the sake of getting rid of her this is how mrs Wolper argued the matter she came of a prudent race and anything like prudence seemed to her a commendable virtue she wished to think well of her master for her he had been a providence in the hour of calamity and old age where else could she look if not to him and to suspect him or think ill of him was to reject the one refuge offered to her distress a magnanimous independence of spirit is not an easy virtue for the old and friendless and poor the drowning wretch will scarcely question the soundness of the plank that sustains him upon the storm-tossed billows nor was mrs woolper inclined to question the motives of the men to whom she now owed her daily bread it is possible that before invoking mrs woolper from the ashes of the past to take her seat by the hearthstone of the present mr sheldon may have contemplated the question of her return in all its bearings and may have assured himself that she was his own by a tie not easily broken his bond-slave fettered hand and foot by the bondage of necessity what choice can she have except the choice between my house and the workhouse he may naturally have asked himself and is it likely she will quarrel with her bread-and-butter in order to fall back upon dry bread mr sheldon contemplating this and all other questions from his one unchanging standpoint may reasonably have concluded that mrs woolper would do nothing opposed to her own interests and that so long as it suited her interest to remain at the lawn and to serve him she would there remain his docile and unquestioning slave the influence of affection the force of generous impulse were qualities that did not come into mr sheldon's calculations upon this subject his addition and subtraction division and multiplication were all based on one system that happy and unconscious art by which charlotte halliday made herself dear to all who knew her had a speedy effect upon the old housekeeper the girl's amiable consideration for her age and infirmities the pretty affectionate familiarity with which she treated this countrywoman who had known her father and who could talk to her of yorkshire and yorkshire people soon made their way to nancy woolper's heart of hearts for miss halliday to come to the housekeeper's room with some message from her mother and to linger for a few minutes chat was a delight to mrs woolper she would have detained the bright young visitant for hours instead of minutes if she could have found any excuse for so doing nor was there any treason against mr sheldon in her growing attachment to his stepdaughter. whenever nancy spoke of that master and benefactor she spoke with unfeigned gratitude and affection i nursed your steppapa as a baby miss halliday she said very often on these occasions you wouldn't think to look at him now that he ever was that would you but he was one of the finest babies you could wish to see tall and strong and with eyes that pierced one through they were so bright and big and black he was rather stubborn-spirited with his teething but what baby isn't trying at such times i had rare work with him i can tell you miss walking him about of nights and jogging him till there wasn't a jog left in me as you may say from sleepiness i often wonder if he thinks of this now when i see him looking so grave and stern but you see being jogged doesn't impress the mind like having to jog and though i can bring that time back as plain as if it was yesterday with the very nursery i slept in at barlingford and the rush light in a tall iron cage on the floor and the shadow of the cage on the bare whitewashed walls it's clean gone out of his mind i dare say i'm afraid it has nancy but oh i was fond of him miss halliday and what i went through with him about his teeth made me only the fonder of him he was the first baby i ever nursed you see and the last for before master george came to town i'd taken to the cooking and mrs sheldon hired another girl as nurse a regular softy she was and it isn't her fault that master george has got anything christian-like in the way of a back for the way she carried that blessed child used to make my blood run cold thus would mrs Woolper discourse whenever she had a fair excuse for detaining miss halliday in her comfortable apartment charlotte did not perceive much interest in these reminiscences of mr sheldon's infancy but she was much too kind to bring them abruptly to a close by any show of impatience when she could get nancy to talk of barlingford and Highley and the people whom charlotte herself had known as a child the conversation was really interesting and these recollections formed a link between the old woman and the fair young damsel when the change arose in charlotte's health and spirits mrs woolper was one of the first to perceive it she was skilled in those old woman's remedies which mr sheldon held in such supreme contempt and she would fain have dosed the invalid with nauseous decoctions of hops or home-brewed quinine charlotte appreciated the kindness of the intent but she rebelled against the home-brewed medicines and pinned her faith to the more scientific and less obnoxious preparations procured from the chemists for some time nancy made light of the girl's ailments though she watched her with unfailing attention you ain't a done growin yet miss I'll lay she said but i'm more than twenty-one nancy people don't go after they're of age do they i've known them as have miss i don't say it's common but it has been done and then there's the weakness that comes after you've done growing girls of your age are apt to be faint and lolly like as you may say especially when they're stived up in a smoky place like london you ought to go to Highley, miss where you was born that's the place to set you up the time had come when the change was no longer matter for doubt day by day charlotte grew weaker and paler day by day that bright and joyous creature whose presence had made an atmosphere of youth and gladness even in that prim dwelling-place receded farther into the dimness of the past until to think of what she had been seemed like recalling the image of the dead nancy marked the alteration with a strange pain so sharp so bitter that its sharpness and bitterness were a perpetual perplexity to her if the poor dear young thing is meant to go there's no need for me to fret about it all day long and wake up sudden in the night with cold water standing out upon my forehead at the thought of it i haven't known her six months and if she is pretty and sweet-spoken it's not my place to give way at the thoughts of losing her she's not my own flesh and blood and i've sat by to watch them go times and often without feeling as i do when i see the change in her day after day why should it seem so dreadful to me why indeed this was a question for which mrs woolper could find no answer she knew that the pain and horror which she felt were something more than natural but beyond this point her thoughts refused to travel a superstitious feeling arose at this point to usurp the office of reason and she accounted for the strangeness of miss halliday's illness as she might have done had she lived in the sixteenth century and been liable to the suspicion of nocturnal careerings on broomsticks i'm sorry mr philip's house should be unlucky to that sweet young creature she said to herself it was unlucky to the father and now it seems as if it was going to be unlucky to the daughter and mr philip won't be any richer for her death mrs sheldon has told me times and often that all tom halliday's money went to my master when she married him and he has doubled and trebled it by his cleverness miss charlotte's death wouldn't bring him a sixpence this was the gist of mrs woolper's meditations very often nowadays but the strange sense of perplexity the nameless fear the vague horror were not to be banished from her mind a sense of some shapeless presence for at her side haunted her by day and night what was it what did its presence portend it was as if a figure shrouded from head to foot was there dark and terrible at her elbow and she would not turn to meet the horror face to face sometimes the phantom hand lifted a corner of the veil and the shade said look at me see who and what i am you have seen me before i am here again and this time you shall not refuse to meet me face to face i am the shadow of the horror you suspected in the past the shadowy fears which oppressed mrs woolper during this period did not in any way lessen her practical usefulness from the commencement of charlotte's slow decline she had shown herself attentive and even officious in all matters relating to the invalid with her own hands she decanted the famous port which Georgie fetched from the particular bin in mr sheldon's carefully arranged cellar when the physician was called in and wrote his harmless little prescription it was mrs woolper who carried the document to the dispensing chemist and brought back the innocent potion which might peradventure effect some slight good and was too feeble a decoction to do any harm charlotte duly appreciated all this kindness but she repeatedly assured the housekeeper that her ailments were not worthy of so much care it was mrs woolper whom mr sheldon employed to get lodgings for the family when it had been ultimately decided that a change to the seaside was the best cure for miss halliday i am too busy to go to hastings myself this week he said but i shall be prepared to spend a fortnight there after next monday what i want you to do nancy is to slip down to-morrow with a second-class return ticket and look about for a nice place for us i don't care about being in hastings there's too much cockneyism in the place at this time of year there's a little village called harold's hill within a mile or so of st leonard's a dull out-of-the-way place but rustic and picturesque and all that kind of thing the sort of place that women like now i'd rather stay at that place than at hastings so you can take a fly at the station drive straight to harold's hill and secure the best lodgings you can get you think as the change of air will do miss halliday good asked mrs woolper anxiously after she had promised to do all her kind master required of her do i think it will do her good of course i do sea-air and sea-bathing will set her up in no time there's nothing particular the matter with her no mr philip that's what bothers me about the whole thing there's nothing particular the matter with her and yet she pines and dwindles and dwindles and pines till it makes one's heart ache to see her philip sheldon's face darkened and he threw himself back in his chair with an impatient movement if he had chosen to do so he could have prevented that darkening of his face but he did not consider mrs woolper a person of sufficient importance to necessitate the regulation of his countenance what was she but an ignorant obstinate old woman who would most probably perish in the streets if he chose to turn her out of doors there are men who consider their clerks and retainers such very dirt that they would continue the forging of a bill of exchange or complete the final touches of a murder with a junior clerk putting coals on the fire or an errand-boy standing cap in hand on the threshold of the door they cannot realize the fact that dirt such as this is flesh and blood and may denounce them by and by in a witness-box of all contingencies mr sheldon least expected that this old woman could prove troublesome to him this abject wretch whose daily bread depended on his will he could not imagine that there are circumstances under which such abject creatures will renounce their daily bread and die of hunger rather than accept the means of life from one hateful hand if you want to know anything about miss halliday's illness he said in his hardest voice and with his hardest look you had better apply to dr doddleson the physician who has prescribed for her i do not attend her you see and i am in no way responsible for her health when i was attending her father you favoured me by doubting my skill if i judged rightly as to your tone and manner on one occasion i don't want to be brought to book by you mrs woolper about miss halliday's altered looks or miss halliday's illness i have nothing to do with either how should i think you had sir don't be angry with me or hard upon me mr phil i nursed you when you was but a baby and you're nearer and dearer to me than any other master could be Why- i have but to shut my eyes now and i can feel your little hand upon my neck as it used to lie there so soft and dear and then i look down at the hand on the table strong and dark and clenched so firm and i ask myself can it be the same for the sake of that time mr phil don't be hard upon me there's nothing i wouldn't do to serve you there's nothing you could do that would turn me from you there's no man living in this world sir that oughtn't to be glad to know of one person that nothing can turn from him that's a very fine sentiment my good soul replied mr sheldon coolly but you see it's only an ex parte statement and as the case stands there is no opportunity for the display of those fine feelings you talk about you happen to want a home in your old age and i happen to be able to give you a home under such circumstances your own good sense will show you that all sentimental talk about standing by me and not turning away from me is absolute bosh the old woman sighed heavily she had offered her master a fidelity which involved the abnegation of all impulses of her own heart and mind and he rejected her love and her service and then after the first dreary sense of his coldness she felt better pleased that it should be so the man who spoke to her in this harsh uncompromising way could have no cause to fear her in the mind of such a man there could surely be no secret chamber within which she had with his knowledge almost penetrated i won't trouble you any more sir she said mournfully i dare say i'm a foolish old woman you are nancy we don't get wiser as we grow older you see and when we let our tongues wag we're apt to talk nonsense the quieter you keep your tongue the better for yourself in more ways than one to a useful old woman about the place i've no objection but a chattering old woman i will not have at any price after this everything was settled in the most agreeable manner nancy woolper's journey to hastings was fully arranged and early the next morning she started brisk and active in spite of her sixty-eight years of age she returned at night having secured very pleasant lodgings at the village of harold's hill and a very sweet place it is, my dear Miss Lotta, she said to Charlotte the next day when she described her adventures. The apartments are at a farmhouse overlooking the sea, and the smell of the cows under your windows and the sea-breezes blowing across the farm-yard can't fail to bring the colour back to your pretty cheeks and the brightness back to your pretty eyes. End of chapter three, Mrs. Wolper is anxious.